0: Hey, so we begin this new series today called Rethink Religion. And during this four week series, man, I'm gonna have to move them. During this four week series, we're gonna really look at that statement that, that most of us are known for saying Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. And, and we're all known for saying that because, you know, it's this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So we don't really consider Christianity a religion. And I think as we look at this, we're really going to unpack that statement and also the elements of that go around it. But have you ever noticed that when you talk about religion, some people get really upset. They get upset. It can cause people to stir up with anger. And maybe it's because of something from their past or a belief system that they have. But, but when you mention the word religion, it tends to get some people riled up. Uh, They will maybe get confused and frustrated. And and I think we need to ask the question, when we say religion, what do we really mean? What do we refer to when we talk about religion or religions? And, And I think the best way is first we need to know what the definition is. So if you go to Webster's Dictionary, it says religion is... A personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. It also goes on to say the service and worship of God or the supernatural. And finally, a cause, principle, or system of beliefs held to with passion and faith. So if we say Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship doesn't it kind of sound like a religion? Doesn't it kind of sound like it is a cause or a principle or a system of beliefs held with passion and faith and we hold on to it so tightly that, you know, maybe it is a religion and not just a relationship. And unfortunately, in today's world, when we say religion or even say we're a Christian, there seems to be some flack that comes back with it. There seems to be some, some people pointing or assuming. And unfortunately, you know, I think when, when we actually ask someone, we don't really ask someone, hey, what's your religion? Most of the time we're going to ask people, hey, what church do you go to? What is your faith or your belief system? You see, we start looking at denominations instead of religions. Oh, you go to a Baptist church. Oh, you're one of those Lutherans. Oh, you're one of them there are Catholics. Oh, you're Pentecostal, huh? I can sometimes get Baptocostal, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) But I think a lot of times we look at religion, we end up looking at denominations instead of what religion really is. And we get so caught up on other things. And I wonder sometimes could it be that we get so caught up on religion because we actually have a problem with it. We have a problem with the word. And maybe, maybe when we think of religion we got a problem because when we think of a religion we start thinking about ourselves. Because if you have a religion that has a me attitude in it, you're in the wrong religion. You're in the wrong relationship. You're in the wrong denomination. Whatever you want to call it, if it is about me and you're saying it's about me, it's about myself, and it's about I, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place, and unfortunately I think that's where a lot of people get that hung up, hang up because it's this whole me mentality when it comes to religion. Well, it's my relationship with Jesus. So it's about me and Jesus. And when we get that mentality of it's me or it's my we start to put other people aside because then it becomes center-focused on yourself. And you start, really don't even realize, but you start to push people away. You know, unfortunately in today's world, it, it, this whole religion thing, there are more people, Americans now, claiming none as their affiliation with religion when they're asked up to 23% in the last couple years and continues to rise. Now think about that. Someone asks you, what is your religion? None. None. None is on the rise in the United States as affiliation with religion. So why do you think that is? Why do you think more people are now saying none than anything else? And and I think it's interesting when we look at Christianity, you know, the attitude towards Christians, oh, what? what are Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a hypocrite. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're one of them people. You're one of them people who are trying to convert people all the time. 60% of adults say trying to convert someone to your religion is ex, sounds like extremists. Think about that. 52% that say praying out loud for a person you don't know is extreme. How many people in this room have ever prayed out loud for someone you don't know? We're all extremists. According to the culture today, we're all a bunch of extremists and unfortunately Christianity is getting that way. People perceive Christians as extremists. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because I think of an extremist, I think of not a Christian. You know, I think about those people I had to deal with when I was over in Beirut. I knew what extremists were then. We're a far cry from extremists, but in today's culture, they consider us to be extremists. We need to understand we're outside the cultural mainstream. We're different. We look to pray for people. We don't really, I don't say convert people to Christianity. We tell people about our Jesus. We tell people about who our Jesus is and what he's done in our life and then the the prayer is that they will accept Jesus. Now to us that sounds normal but on the outside world it's you're trying to convert them and they look at that as being extreme. But those same people who look at it as being extreme someday every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess but at some point it's going to be too late. And their eternity is going to be in a place they don't want to be at. It's going to be in a place that they didn't believe existed. And then the reality is going to hit. But see, when we look at this and we look at how we're considered extremists, how should we as Christians react to this? You know, unfortunately, I'm going to tell you what we do. As Christians, we get in our holy huddles. You know, we come to church. And then we hang out with all of our Christian friends and we have no outsiders in there, and then all of a sudden we look like these little pockets of extremists, maybe you want to call it? Here's a newsflash. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. When we're in our holy huddles, we do look like extremists. We look like we're trying to keep everyone else out of what we got. Like, we got something. We got the magic ticket. We got the golden ticket. Yeah, we're going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. We ain't got a golden ticket. Jesus died on a cross to provide us with a ticket, to provide everybody. But we'll get caught up in our holy huddles or hang out together with other Christians and wonder why people call us extremists. So I think as as we take through this series, it's time for us to look at our religion. It's time to look at what we do, what we practice, how we do what we do, what we say we do. And I think it's time to rethink it. It's time to rethink who we are and what we are because ultimately religion is worthless unless it's accompanied by holy living as a result of a loving God. And I think we need to understand that there is a religion, there is a system of belief and practice which is pure in God's eyes, and that is believing His Word and obeying it. Now catch them last two words, obeying it. That's where a lot of us mess up. Even the believing because, you know, oh, well, I don't believe all of it because, you know, I don't agree with this part of God's word. We don't get to pick and choose what we believe. We either believe all of it or you believe none of it. And then we have to do what? We have to obey it. And in today's scripture, James is actually going to liken liken our tendency to hear God's word uh, without actually obeying it, like looking in the mirror and forgetting what we look like. How many people looked in the mirror this morning and forgot what they look like already? I think we might want to forget what we look like in the mirror. And it kind of sounds ridiculous to put it that way, but you know what? That's what we're going to be digging into today. We're going to be digging into what that really looks like. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 16 through 27. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the back of the pew. And as always, it will be up on the screen. So with that being said, let's dig in. James 1, verses 16 through 27. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. But his own, by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without control in his tongue, his religion is useless and deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, I just ask that your name be glorified through it all. And Lord, that as we hear your truth, that we'll hear your words, and that we will hear your voice. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think as we look at these attacks on Christianity, I think the first thing we need to recognize is this isn't new. The way the world perceives Christianity isn't new. Back in the beginning of Christianity, the beginning of the New Testament, they had issues. Because just like us today, we're outside the norm, we're outside the mainstream, we're countercultural in all that we do. The first Christians were the same way. They went against what society called for all the time. They they went, they were preaching, they were known as the way, they were doing what they wanted to do. They had Saul chasing them down, wanting to persecute them because they were against what the system called for. And and even today we, we should be against the system because our system we should be looking to is that eternal system in Jesus. Think about the criticism, the persecution, everything those first believers went through. Things that they went through that we'd never have to worry about. Literally getting stoned on the street for their belief. Getting put in jail for their belief system. Now there are parts of the world today where that may happen if you go there and you preach Jesus, but here in the U.S. we don't really understand that. Yes, we may be persecuted people. But oh, you need to get away from me with your Christian attitude. Oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. But nothing compared to what the first Christians went through. But Lord, we will think we're getting persecuted in today's age. And if you really want to know what they went through, all you got to do is read the first 15 verses in James. The first 15, a couple of them say this, verse 2 through 4. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 12, blessed is one who endures trials because when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life. In verse 13, no one undergoing a trial should say this from God. So apparently they were going through a lot. When when here the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, has to start talking to them early in the church life about being persecuted. Hey, guess what? It's going to be okay. That testing is good. It's going to help your growth. You're going to be better. It's going to work out for you. Them are great words of advice back in the time, but you know what? I think they're still great words of advice and wisdom for us today. That although in this world we may have troubles, we will get through it. We can continue to persevere. We can continue to go through. And I think here religion, as James looks at it, it's more than specific practices that we do. It's more than coming together as a group at a certain time. It's not only what we do or how we do it. It's so much more than that. He's really digging into it. And religion, I think, is knowing and relying on beliefs and practices that are eternal. What we do has eternal consequences. It's not for the here and now. It's not for today, gone tomorrow. It's for eternity. What we do, what we speak about, what we preach, what we believe has eternal results on everybody. On everything that we do, it's eternal. It's not just here. And I think our practices although have changed, to think about with COVID, how many churches had never, ever been online? And then COVID came. Everyone had to learn how to do church online. Now talking metaverse, and if you've ever looked into a metaverse, you know how people got these 3D gaming things they put on now, and it's like you're right there inside the game? They're starting to come up with that to actually be able to watch regular tv or watch other things there will be a day in time where you'll be able to sit at home put on one of those headsets and i'll be in your living room preaching to you man times change don't they and the way we do things has to change with it but what never changes is god what never changes is his word And what we got to do is continue to do what we're called to do and and go with the changes. Don't just, oh, I'm going to not do it because then when you don't do it, are you really going to affect anybody or change anybody? No, it's going to be us three and no more. And then when you three are gone, the church will be gone. So we have to always adapt. We have to improvise, but we never, ever change his word and our beliefs. Them always stay the same and we continue to move forward. But I think as we do this, the first thing we need is we need this, we need a source of trust. And I think we see that in verse 16 through 18. It says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You see, I think we often find ourselves in battles or in conflicts because of our belief system. And, and I think a lot of times we end up in them battles because our belief system has closed fists. We got these closed hands. It, it, it's our way, this is what you gotta do. And, and we'll hold on so tightly to something that is irrelevant. And, and when we got them closed, closed fists in our closed hands, We're ready for a fight. And then unfortunately, we get into these battles and we find ourselves on the opposite sides of debates in everything that we do. And you want to see opposite sides of debates? Just look at the news. And I would say instead of using CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, OAN, for anyone who don't know what OAN is, One American News, Facebook or Twitter, we need to find this different source of wisdom. We need to find a source of wisdom that's never changing and never will change. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our source of wisdom, our source of what we do needs to come from Jesus, needs to come from God, from his word, and from his mouth. That's where our wisdom needs to come from. Not that old, hey, I saw it on Facebook, so it's got to be true. Because some of us get our news only on Facebook or only on Twitter. That's our news network. I personally don't watch the news. I try and avoid as much as possible. I hear about everything. Because Lord knows it's all over social media, so it's got to be true. And you, get, and you get both sides of the story, and everyone knows there's three sides to every story, right? Your side, their side, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But generally, what do we do? We take this side or that side. We never take the middle ground. Maybe we need to take that time and look into God's word and and understand what the middle ground is and be a part of that middle ground in conversations, be a part of that middle ground in different things that we do. And, And instead of worrying about this side or that side, how about we just worry about his side and worry about him and what he calls us to do. And I think as we look at this, and it can be a constant guide for us. His word can become a constant guide, verses 19 through 25. You know, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. I think it's really interesting the way James puts this. Look in a mirror and forget what you look like. And I think what we need to do and what James is saying here is it's this spiritual mirror. And I think if we think of it this way, you'll really understand it more. But how many of you go and you look in the mirror and you know exactly in the morning, and I'm not picking on anyone, but you look in that mirror and, man, I got another gray. Man, I got some crow's feet over here. I need to put some concealer on this. I just, oh man, I got this spot on my face that wasn't there. We know every intricate detail of our entire face, our body, whatever it is, and we look in that mirror and James is saying, it's like you walked away and forgot? We ain't going to forget what we look like. Every single morning we already have an idea. And for some of us, you already know I need to do This concealer, I need to put this on, I need to, you know, and you already know, and then you get there and all of a sudden it's, oh, I got another gray hair. What's this spot? It wasn't there yesterday. What's this on my arm? Oh, no, is this skin cancer? Is this this? We know, we can tell when something is different about us gently that quick. You take a walk and have a hard time breathing, all of a sudden you realize something's wrong but how about our spiritual side when we look at our spiritual self in the mirror? Do we really see who we are and know who we are in Jesus? I think we need to consider that as as we take that time and, and we look in that spiritual mirror, what do we see? Are we doing what God's Word called us to do? Or are we just going through the motions? Can we actually go in there and remember what our spiritual side looks like? Can we remember that grace, that love, that peace that he provides us throughout the day? Well, we going to get too caught up on what we see in ourselves. Maybe the gray hair, maybe the wrinkle, maybe fear, maybe judgment, maybe being a hypocrite. We see all these other things inside of us instead of what God's word calls us to see. We're children of a king we're the child of a king. We are royalty. We have been adopted into a royal family by his grace and by his love. And how many times do we forget that? And we need to see that when we look in that spiritual mirror every day. And James is saying we forget what we look like. You know why we forget what we look like? Because we go back out into the world. Then we get in the world and the world tells us we're nothing. The world tells us we're extremists, we're hypocrites, we're this, and we start wearing them words on us, and that's what we see when we look in our spiritual mirror. Instead of seeing his love, his grace, and seeing you the way that he sees you. I think it's time that we need to clean out of our heads and our hearts, and we need to make room for what God calls us and for God's word and and for God to live inside of us. So as we get this guide, I think ultimately we always want results, right? So, so we we've got this guide to carry on our life, but now it's like, okay, now I'm doing this. What are the results? And verses 26 through 21 says that 26 through 27 say this: If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We're not in a passive faith. We're not supposed to be passive. We're not supposed to sit back and wait. It's not about during rituals. It's not about, you know, we practice true. What we do is right. What other people do is wrong. It's about eternity. Where are we going to spend eternity? How are we going to do it in our desire to be there and practice holiness? Now understand, I said practice holiness, not holier than thou. Because a lot of us practice I'm holier than thou, better than other people. We can be better holier than thou than Jesus in our own mind. We're to practice holiness, not be holier than now, because none of us are holier than anybody else. And our holiness comes through Jesus, and our holiness comes through His Word and doing what it says. That's what we should strive to do each day. We should strive to be holy because He is holy. We should strive to be holy by serving others. We should strive to be holy by spending time in His Word. We should strive to be holy by obeying what His Word says. Looking at that spiritual mirror and remembering who we are and what He called us to do. Instead of turning around and totally forgetting, okay, I'm off to my world. Kind of sounds like 1 John 2, verses 3-6 through say this, This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the trust is not in, the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. In John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So if we're going to make an impact in the world around us, we need to rethink our religion. We need to rethink what we're doing, rethink how we live our life, and not just the practices and the beliefs. It's more than that. It's about how we live out our religion in the world around us. How do we live out being a Christian each and every day? And not being just a Christian like the rest of the world, but, but being a Christian that does what God's Word calls us to do. I think we as Christians emphasize the way Christians are unique because of the fact that it's a relationship with God through our faith and belief in Jesus. That's what we base our religion off of. So it's all because of God. It's all because of His grace, because of His love, because of His mercy, that we're allowed to have that relationship. It's that love relationship of God through Jesus that we live. But think about this. That means our life should be the fruit. Because if Jesus is the root of our belief system and the root of our life, that's who we get our nutrients from. That's how we're able to grow stronger and continue to flourish, then we should produce fruit for him we should be fruitful in all that we do because we are his first fruits. So if we're his first fruits and we're continuing to move on, then that means we've got to do something different. And think about it this way. That means we need to be obedient to his word. (coughs) Needs to be able to know what his word says and do what his word says. So I guess another way of putting it is like this. If you have an obedience problem, you really have a relationship problem. Think about that. If you have an obedience problem, then you actually have a relationship problem. Because if you can't be obedient to what God's Word calls you to do, how is your relationship with Jesus really working? Is it really a relationship that's going back and forth, or is it a relationship that is you-centered? Well, Jesus, I know you said this, but I believe this. I know your Word says this, but, you know, I don't like that part, so I'm just going to take these good parts. What we do and how we act and how we are shows who we really trust. Twice in this passage, James warns us in uh, self-deception. Thinking of ourselves as religious, but not actually living what God calls us to do. James actually tells us clearly there's two tests to know if your religious activity is worthless or valuable. First one is this, what comes out of your mouth what comes out of your mouth? Not just while you're in church. What comes out of your mouth? And the second is our care for others who can't give us anything in return. Whereas Jesus called them the least of us. What is your religion? How pure is your religion? Think about it. Who needs some water? I'm kind of thirsty today. Anyone want some water? I got water. They look good, right? It looks good. Well, you know, the only way you can really tell if water is really good is to do a pH test on it, right? Because <clears throat> it may look refreshing. It looks like it's really good. But that's only from the outside. What's it really look like on the inside? So I've got two cups of, two things of water up here. They both look really good, right? They both look refreshing. But then you put your little test strip in it, and if you look, one stayed the same, the other did not. Although they appear to be the same on the outside, one is bitter on the inside. One is a pure religion, one is not. And unfortunately in today's world, too many people in the world think we're this Christian. They think we're this one that the pH level is incorrect on. Because we're bitter on the inside. We, we play Christian when we come to church. But our friends and family know so much different. As I mentioned last week at the end of our family vacation, many of our own children lost their religion because they saw how what our religion did to us. Because we didn't take it serious. We didn't attend church. We didn't do what God's word told us to do. We were this Christian right here as a parent. And now our kids have walked away from the faith. How many people out there today are claiming none as a religious affiliation because they've ran into this Christian right here instead of this one? So, of course, you've got to ask that question is your religion pure? Do you have a pure religion? It is the same way our mouths speak in church. Do they speak the same outside of church? Do we see the same you here that your family and friends see out there? Do they see you here as perfectly balanced? Or do they see you, man, I look good from the outside, but inside I'm nothing but clear vinegar. I'm nothing but vinegar water. I'm nasty. I'm gross. No one wants to drink it. Who's the real you? What is your real religion? Too many of us are living here. Too many of us are right there. Man, we look good from the outside. We put our makeup on or we fixed up our colored our hair and, you know, we, we did all this stuff to make it look good because, man, we look good, don't we? But, man, inside's not good. We're living with this false religion inside of us that is me-centered instead of being God-centered. Instead of being centered on his word and being obedient to what it calls us to do, we're too worried about us. We're too worried about being in our holy huddles that we're forgetting about what's in the world. And when people say we're hypocrites deep down inside, we know we are. We know we're a hypocrite inside because we live that life every day because we try to be holier than now instead of trying to be holy, which makes a big difference in all of our lives. And, and like I said at the beginning, religion is worthless. <clears throat> unless it is accompanied by holy living as a result of a loving God. It's worthless, worthless, unless it's accompanied by holy living as a result of a loving God. God loved you enough to send Jesus to the cross. Did you love him enough to be holy, to live your life the way he called you to live and be obedient to what he calls you to be? Here I am, Lord, send me. No matter where it is or what it is, be obedient to what He calls you to be. And today's scripture showed us there is a religion and a system of belief and practice which is pure in God's eyes, and that's believing His word and obeying it. So, which one are you? Which life are you living? It's time to come clean, because guess what? He already knows. He knows which one of you is this one right here. He knows exactly which one of us is right here. And there may be times where it may be in between a little bit. This is what we're striving to be. Striving to be that, have that pure religion that we can go out and we can affect change in the world. And all them people that say none, there's no no religious belief, That's your mission field. Because right now they got none. They don't believe one way or the other. So guess what? That means they're open to change. But that also means we can't be the Christians that the world sees today. We've got to be a little different. And we're going to be different when we obey his word and we take that time to let his word dwell deep within us. That when we look in that mirror, that spiritual mirror, we see his love. We see his grace. We see his mercy. And we know other people are going to see that in us because we've gotten rid of the bitterness that's inside of us. We got rid of that plain Christian. We got rid of a religion that is full of hypocrisy. And we picked a religion that is pure. And that's helping others, being there for others in need, being his hands and feet in all that we do. Because that's what we're called to do that's what we're called to so what's your religion not what's your denomination what's your religion because we do have a religion look at the the definition and we have a religion we have a belief system we follow a god so we do have a religion And I will never, ever get away from the point that my religion is based off of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it is. Yes, it is a religion. But yes, it is a relationship. And it takes that relationship to have the religion, to have that pure religion. Because without Jesus, it's never going to be pure. And maybe you're sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus and you're going, man, pastor... I ain't a Christian, but that's me. I look good on the outside, but man, I am messed up on the inside. Well, welcome to the family. Because we're all messed up. We all fall short of the glory of God. So each one of us is a little bit of this, anyways. Each one of us still has a part of that in us. Because each one of us still think about me, myself, and I from time to time. Even me, and I'm the pastor. And I'm so thankful and grateful for God's word. I'm thankful for his forgiveness and his love and his mercies because he even accepted me to be his child. I know some people in this room who have testimonies that are crazy testimonies. And Jesus accepted them right where they were. So if you're trying to think you got to get it right, don't worry about it. You're not. Because even us as Christians, hey, we're hypocrites. We're me-centered. We're judgmental. So we're right in the boat with you. But we're trying to get better. We're trying to work to become holy as he is holy. We're trying to get that pure religion that he calls us to have. And in Jesus' word, and it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you got to be perfect. It doesn't say you have to be pure. It just says you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you will be saved. Now see, everything else takes place after that. That's the hard part. Because now you got to walk it. Now you got to go back into a world that, that you've been hanging out in forever and start to say, man, I'm not like the world anymore. I'm going to be different. I'm going to change the world. Now I'm working on becoming holy because my God is holy and I'm working on this pure religion because I'm tired of being nasty inside. I'm tired of looking good on the outside, but Inside, I'm bitter. I'm hateful. And you start to make that change in your life, and and maybe you've been here for a long time. And, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was 12 years old. And most people around you see this they see this person. They see the ugliness in your life each and every day. They see you not living out what you try and live out when you come to church. They see there's no difference from you than the people in the world. And a lot of times there's no difference because even though we come to church on Sunday, Sunday afternoon through Saturday night, we're in the world and living in the world. And the world's living inside of us until Sunday morning. And then we put on our holy shorts and our holy shirts. And we come into church to try and be holy for an hour and 45 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes. And then we go back in the world. If you're living that life, today can be the day to make that change. Look at what your religion is and look for that pure religion that he called you to have. And start to seek it today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, as we, as we look at this, life that we live Lord we're called to be holy because you're holy but Lord Lord, we, we mess up we're, we're messed up and, and we don't always understand and, and Lord sometimes we come off as hypocrites or, or we're judgmental and, and Lord we get so caught up like vinegar water we're just nasty we don't taste good on the inside We look appealing, Lord. People think, you know, from the outside, and and then we say we're Christian, and, and because we're not living that Christian life, we're put in the same package as all the other Christians in the world. All those who really aren't Christian, Lord, those people who are playing religion. Lord, help us to be who you call us to be. Lord, as we are followers of you, that we will actually do what your word calls us to do. Lord, that we'll actually spend time in your word each and every day. And Lord, that when we look in that spiritual mirror, we will see who you see, not who the world sees. And Lord, that we won't forget who we are when we step away from that mirror and that we will seek you through it all and we will obey your call for our life. And we make this prayer in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to